Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. This is episode 61. It is our first episode during the regular season, so we are very excited to be back on the airwaves talking about real Buccaneers football. We have results to discuss. We have future games to predict. All sorts of good stuff. I am joined by both of my co-hosts this evening, Bo Yard and Scott Capron, and we got a late addition to the show. Always welcome, Josh Capo of Pewter Report. You know he's going to bring us some of his nuanced analysis and insights, some of the X's and O's, that good stuff that we all crave. So happy to have you all here, gentlemen. How are we feeling? Victory Wednesday. Feeling good, I don't man. know about you guys, but I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm I doing mean, well, too. Just you hit it on. There's actual games. There's actual games to talk about. It's not just who's going to be doing this and what are, what's going to happen with Filling in Ryan Jensen's shoes. We have actual things to talk about. Um, you know, the Bucks, Nathaniel Hackett. If we want to do two to three hours on that whole situation for Monday Night Football, maybe just mix that in at any point. And yeah, we're we're rolling, man. I love it. So uh, Scott, it will definitely depend on our time management in terms of whether we'll be able to get that in. Oh, okay. Well, I'll wait forty <laughs> seconds and then call a timeout. Um, sorry, sorry, Carl. Okay. We'll save that for the end. We're we're gonna talk first off, and for the vast majority of the show, until we give Scott his chance to uh, rip on Hackett. We're gonna talk about the Bucks' nineteen to three victory over the Dallas Cowboys in their season debut in primetime on Sunday Night Football. It was a much anticipated debut for the twenty twenty two version of these Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I like to think most of those who were cheering for them came away very much satisfied. But we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, first and foremost, I got to say for anyone who is new joining us, please make sure you support the show by subscribing to the Bucks Banter YouTube channel. Helps us out a lot and we appreciate it. Um, don't worry, Josh. We'll get, I know you don't like to plug your stuff, but I'll plug your stuff periodically throughout the show. <laughs> don't want to overcrowd the kitchen here. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. The injury report came out today. I just want to hit on that briefly. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some observations from the game. We're going to start with the offense. Then we'll move on to the defense, and then we'll go ahead and talk about the upcoming Week Two game in New Orleans. So, Dude, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how briefly you can hit on that injury report. I, injury report. I started an hour ago, and I'm still going on it. That was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's how it goes. It's just an. It's just a report, or like midweek. You know, most of the Bucks receivers popped up on there, and which caused some some to raise an eyebrow. Some being Scott and most other fans in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, Greg Almond, though, he like in terms of the receivers, he said he talked to Todd Bowles today, asked him if he had any concerns at at receiver other than Chris Godwin. Bolds Bolds clearly said no. So um, that's a good sign. I think it's some rest coming off, you know, not, not just Tom Brady, but coming off their first taste of game action. Guys are going to be sore. Um, of course, so, you know, I just mentioned Godwin. Donovan Smith hyperextended his elbow, as everyone who watched the game is well aware. And uh, we'll see. We'll wait for that. I mean, thankfully, I think it almost feels like good news that it's nothing too serious. It was an awkward looking play. You never know how those things go, especially for big guys like Donnie. Mm. And uh, and then Zion McCollum still dealing with a hamstring. So not sure what's going on with that, but he's a rookie and the Bucks secondary came away unscathed otherwise. So uh, not too big of a concern there. We'll see what happens with Chris Godwin. I mean, he came out firing, which was super cool. And got me out of my seat when I saw him <laughs> catch that hitch and just charge up oh. the field like he does at 100%. Um, did, did that catch anyone off guard that they just fed him the ball right away and he went to work? Or, or? No, I actually, uh, quite the opposite for me. I thought they were going to get him involved real, real quick because yeah. <clears throat> you don't want him doing a bunch of plays waiting for that first hit. He needed yeah. to get that first hit and say, okay, my knees, it, it's there. It's still working. I'm yeah. good. And so I actually kind of expected that. And uh, and when it happened, you know, you could see how, how really um, excited he was to get through yeah. that first hit and say, OK, let's go. So that, that's a real tangible thing for guys, eh? especially coming off an injury. And I know Andrew Luck used to always say, like, he wanted to get hit on the first play to really feel like they're into it. But, you know, playing such a physical sport for however many years leading up to it, it's a, 
you need it, right? You, you like to actually feel like you're in the game. And um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Josh, for, to, for Goblin to get the ball early like that. Getting him that touch in that way, too, is almost like they wanted him to get hit. Like, we, yeah. we're, we're going to have him charge up the middle of the field between blockers, just trying yeah. to – don't get hit by Micah Parsons, you know. But uh, anyway, so in terms of the injuries, we'll, we'll see. As the week goes on, we'll get a clearer picture of, of who's trending towards uh, being able to play. Donovan Smith apparently has a chance. So I don't know, Josh, if you have any updates on Donovan Smith's injury. I mean, I realize you're not a doctor, but you guys are pretty plugged in over at Pewter Report. Uh, not, nothing. I mean, I, I don't, they Bowles said yesterday that he wasn't ruling him out. Um, he really said it, it mainly with that injury, it's a pain tolerance thing. Um, Donovan's a warrior. I mean, the dude's missed two games in his entire career or two starts. Um, so I wouldn't count him out, but really they just said it, it comes down to how he feels. I would expect you're not going to see him practice tomorrow. Um, maybe, I would look out for Friday. You know, if he's even a limited participant, I would say probably better than 50% chance that he's going to go on Sunday. Um, but if he's not a, a participant at all, I would say better than 50% chance it's the other way. And you're going to see Josh Wells lining up at left tackle. Yeah, which isn't exactly a beautiful sight for anyone watching. Um, no disrespect <laughs> to Josh Wells. I mean, some disrespect. Yeah. yeah. Mike, yeah. Micah Parsons. <laughs> Just about every single player on the Bucks line. Yeah, he yeah. took Worfs to task on on a rep. I mean, putting Josh. I, I won't put any disrespect. The man paved the way in the run game. All right, yeah. he had a solid game. He just you can't you can't block Parsons unless you know you catch him on the blind side with a really good chip. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Josh Wells though before, and you're right. Like they were <laughs> they were paving the way in the run game, but I'm not so quick to say it's all Micah Parsons' fault. Why I don't have faith in Josh Wells. Um, Fair enough. But yeah. we'll, well, you know, I would love to see him do well if he if he gets put in that role again this week. So yeah. uh, that would yeah, be a sure. very very pleasant surprise. I want to talk about someone who was a bit of a surprise, I think, to many, despite his illustrious career, and that is one Julio Jones. He had a much bigger impact, I think, than anyone expected, at least right off the bat. I mean, no one was out there claiming Julio was going to come and be catching 40-yard passes down the field. So, I mean, with Godwin projected to be out of the lineup for a week, a couple weeks, we'll see with that tweaked hamstring. Um, but he sure looks up to the task. And the only other thing oh. I want to mention is while we're, well, while we're talking Julio, we could kind of also discuss our thoughts on, on Russell Gage, who didn't make as much of an impact, but as long as – Someone's doing it. I don't think this team really cares who who's getting the touches I, and who's performing. I think I I agree. I feel like that's the point of having all of these talented receivers, right? That's and look, I, if that's what we're getting from Julio, oh my God! You think the Titans yeah. watched that game thinking where was this? <laughs> As they struggled and lost at home to the Giants, you know what I mean? Like, hey, I know Julio was banged up last year, and it sounded like he kind of tried to play through it, kept made it a little bit worse, and it was one of those throughout the whole season. But he looked fantastic on sunday yeah there was one moment where i forget who it was like on the broadcast but they're like oh this is the julio that the titans thought they were getting and it was after oh. like a jet sweep or something like that it was like yeah. i didn't know julio did that like that yeah that's like i don't know i just wasn't expecting that at all like two touches in the run game he got like five targets as well in passing yeah. um he's uh He's he looked like I said to you guys he looked like he's getting the Antonio Brown treatment from Tom well, Brady. Well, Bo on the broadcast it was either the guy who sounded like he smoked eight <laughs> cigarettes uh, in between commercials or the guy who didn't. So it was one of the two. Yeah. Oh I can't I can't God. jog my memory. It was like a four. It was like a four cigarette voice for no, sure. I, so yeah. Straight in the middle. Yeah, it, I was, it, it was rough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he sounded like uh, he sounded like my my high school lunch lady Dolores. Like. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, serving up sloppy joes. Uh, yeah. We're talking about Chris Collinsworth voice, like clearly struggling. Someone was like, "It's week one." Was it you, Scott, or someone was saying it's week one? Like, what, yeah. what's what going you, on? What have you been doing? Well, he, all does, week? He, he does his weekly podcast. He did the Thursday night game. I I, I fly a decent amount for my my, my other gig. It wears you out, so yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. throw too much shade on him. But yeah, he sounded no. rough. No, as, not shit. Just like that's a tough break when that job. Very much is, yeah. yeah. More than um, anything, as far right? as as Julio goes, um, what I love a couple different things. So, the usage, um, both in terms of quantity, I think he had twenty two snaps, right? And, yeah. and 
since he was signed early in the preseason, everybody's talked about you kind of want to pitch count him. And I think that's kind of a perfect number. Maybe you, you leverage it up to 30, depending on, on what, um, what the rest of the receiving core looks like, but I love that volume for him. Mm. Uh, and then I loved how they used him. You, you, you mentioned the, the sweep, um, they got him in involved in a screen. It's funny that you brought him up, Colin, because I'm actually literally working on a film room right now, uh, that I'm going to be putting up on YouTube probably in the next day or so. And, um, going back and watching the thing that really impressed me the most is the subtlety of his route running just real real nuanced things so um there was one play where brady misses evans up down near the goal line on a seam route all right and and the it was a single high safety look from uh, dallas and uh, he just couldn't shake the safety safety came over to evans side made a real hard um uh, it would have been a real tight window throw. Just didn't complete it. If you look in the slot on the other side, on the on the strong side of the play, there's Julio, and he's basically running the same exact thing. And both him and Evans, it, it, you see him just kind of pull the route out wide just a little bit, and then they, they bring it back in. Um, and with Julio, he executes it just a little bit better than Evans, and he gets his defender to flip his hips to the outside, and that's when he rolls in. And just gets the inside leverage. And if Brady had just like a little pump fake or, or just looked the safety over and come back to Julio, it would have been an easy six. Mm. It's those things, the subtlety of his route. The other one, the, the long crossing route that they almost hit down near the, the goal line, right, where Brady just underthrows him just a little bit. It's the same thing. He, he sells a go route down the seam. And as soon as the safety breaks his hips to the one side, that's when he stems. And that's the difference between a veteran technician and somebody who's real new to the league where yeah. they're like, I've got to make my break at this yard marker, regardless of what my defender is doing. And Julio, he waits, he makes the defender break, and then he pulls off. It, it's that stuff that just gets me hyped. That's he's got uh, it all. He's, yeah. yeah. Got it all. Like, Oh yeah. And he's like here, six, down four there. and two twenty, And you know, just, a, yeah. yeah. And, that, and I, I was just, Josh, just as you were describing that, it's like, you feel like we haven't heard as as much as Julio's been a star since his, the second he stepped into the league. I feel like the nuanced route running in in the in the almost the artist part of him has been uh, you know less publicized just because he's been such a freak and yeah. just faster and stronger. And that's you can you can win at that position like that too, right? So to hear that, to see those little, to hear those breakdowns, you know Brady's going to see it too. And oh, think yeah. about how excited he's going to get just, you know, watching that film and knowing that's what he's working with. Oh, that's amazing. And, and they've had, what, a week to work together total? Yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine what it's going to look like in week 10, week 14, I know. week 18, right? It's going to only get better. Uh, and then he still has the physical talents, right? Next Gen Stats had him at over 20 miles an hour on, on a route, which was yeah. fantastic. He caught the 48-yard bomb. He had the, the, you know, the the ability to track the ball, and, and that was pretty tight coverage. I feel so bad for Anthony Brown. I put a clip him getting um, beat by An- uh, Antonio Brown last year, and then getting beat by Julio yeah. this year. And I mean, tight coverage both times. And I think a lot of people like misinterpreted what I was saying. I was like, man, he just needs to like call in sick for Bucks games. <laughs> it's not because he was getting beat. It's because no matter what he did, they still pulled the damn ball down. Couldn't win. Couldn't Josh, win. Josh, did he hit you up in your DMs? Is that why you feel bad? <laughs> he did not. He, I do not have that <laughs> Well, I was impressed to see. We're going to talk about it, but uh, Michael Parsons engaged <laughs> with our boy JC on JC Allen, eh? He did. Yeah. He did. How about that? That's Bro when you know mad, you made it. Well, was, that about the, was that about the Lenny block? I didn't see that. Oh, it sure oh, was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, let's get into that now. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> All right, that'll be a nice transition because I want to talk about the offensive line, and I'm really gr- glad Josh is here because he wrote a great piece on Pewter Report today. Uh, was it today or yesterday? I read it today. Uh, O-line was today. Today. So a great piece kind of breaking down the performance of the offensive line, taking a deep dive, including clips and all that good stuff that Josh is known for. So if you haven't, make sure you check that one out. Um, but before we get there, you know, in conjunction with that offensive line was was Lamborghini Lenny, man. Like, dude was running over people. So I guess that's not a Lamborghini, but uh, the alliteration was too much. To we turn get down it. Yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good. Anyway, he looked fantastic and he was running like a beast. And then, of course, 
Micah Parsons is just wreaking havoc, as we talked about off the top, on on everyone, as he does on every O-line. He's just an absolute yeah. weapon, a machine, picked up right where he left off. He's he's a transcendent talent in the league um, yeah. that can't be denied, and, and the ceiling is no one knows yet. He's that great. Yeah. Yep. His, his hybrid nature – it's so interesting him being a linebacker and then everyone being like, well, shitty, you could be like a best edge rusher, one of the best edge rushers in yeah. the league. Yeah. That's almost a better way to go than, than an edge rusher who can't cut it and you try and turn him into a linebacker. I think this is a more like uh, oh. logical oh. expansion. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think so. As, too. as Micah's, Micah Parsons' agent, I'm just going to say he is a defensive end. And yeah. He will be paid <laughs> yeah. and compensated. Yeah. As yeah. such. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you, Debo's yeah. Aim- are you Debo's agent too? <laughs> yeah. He's hey, a running back in a while. Can receiver. I be your agent then? I'll get that back. I can back <laughs> yeah. up the, on the other Just back keep end. on the percentages. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But no, so that chip block, let's talk about the chip block <laughs> quickly. Okay, because the the one the one thing the Bucks got on him was provided by Lenny when he absolutely just caught – Caught Parsons off guard coming off the edge and just laid him one. And like Lenny's a big boy, he's a strong dude. Oh, yeah. So Leonard, Four, it doesn't matter how big you are. If Leonard Fournette ca- catches you with your chin up, your head pointing the yeah, other way, you're gonna go down. But yeah. that's what happened. He did his job, and then Micah Parsons took to Twitter in quite a tirade. I thought it was a little, it was a bad look by him, like I, to react for that sure. way. Sure. Like, oh, yeah. like you guys saw it, right? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, especially considering the score and that. That play was not consequential. <laughs> you know what so I mean? Like the the gist of I think if I remember correctly, the gist of his tweet was, you know, it's kind of a blindside uh block. Not really Fournette didn't need to do that in order to accomplish what he like needed to on the exact play, which is just not how football works, man. Like uh, really? You're you're rushing yeah. the pass. Like I, I actually I see where he's coming from, but I can't I it's one thing to actually think to think that way and then to actually like go to Twitter and put it out to everyone. I couldn't believe that he put that out there. Well, not just that. He also attacked Lenny. Like he attacked yeah. Fournette a little bit, which I didn't like, like using the vulgar language, all that, like whatever. Yeah. Like just why you like he's doing his job too, man. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Josh, you have thoughts on, on that whole encounter? I, I didn't quite get it. I think he was just, you know, he wasn't happy with the result of the game. Yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I'm not gonna say he's getting clowned, but I, you know that that hit yeah. went viral, and and he's he's on the bad end of it. Yeah. So you know, I, I think he's got to learn. Like you just got to let that go. Um, but I can understand, you know, emotionally, he just lost his quarterback, which means they probably have already lost their season. It, it's not a great night for him. Uh, and then hitting back at, at JC, that was that was just funny. <laughs> yeah, JC's like he seems mad. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm really happy. Everybody's healthy. And then people were pointing out your quarterback's not. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. I'd be walking it back if Parsons was coming at me. I'll tell you that. Now, I think the better look for Micah is standing up Skip Bayless. Oh, that I think is phenomenal. I didn't hear about this. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Skip went on Twitter. I mean, he was he was promoting that they were going to have Micah on every Tuesday throughout the season. Right. Like oh, this wow. was a big thing. Weekly spot. Yeah. On, on what is it? Undisputed, I think is yeah, the name yeah. of your show. And, uh, and, and all day Tuesday, they couldn't get in touch with him. Then they couldn't get in touch with his people. And then he just, he didn't show up for his spot. So like he ghosted. Him. I know a straight ghost. Yeah. My, was, as he, uh, as Micah Parsons agent, uh, <laughs> it's just a show we're not interested in. Here at this yeah. Time, so. I th- well, <laughs> Bo, imagine you just checked your phone, all these missed calls. You just had it on just silent. Just skip, skip, time. skip. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh. Skip, hey. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you get calls from him, please do his namesake and just skip. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, just that's a red button for sure. Oh, my God. He sucks. Hashtag, hashtag skip, skip. Just yeah. Skip. I like it. I but like seriously, it. the that's first, the first, it's he promoted it as this weekly spot. We're going to yeah. get basically the best player on the Cowboys, his team, America's team, all that bullshit. On a, and just doesn't go. That's nope. unbelievable. Like it's it, hilarious. He's back in my you good could, book. Yeah, you could also uh, argue that Skip threw the first stone. He threw. He put out this like I don't even know if the game was over yet, but he put out a video of him wearing a Dak jersey, rips oh, the yeah. Dak jersey off, and puts a Brady jersey on. Doesn't say a word through the whole thing. Super normal. It's so I don't know, like normal. I don't know. Like 
he's a he's an interesting guy i guess he's super popular but i i don't i don't get the appeal at all i do not either oh yeah suck. yeah let's let's move on i'd rather say less than Bailey. fair enough <laughs> yeah. yeah um all right josh i want you to well so i what i wanted to talk about is just in my opinion this young offensive line specifically the interior uh really passed their first test and i think they held up well considering all the changes that went on this being their first big opportunity um and I want you because you've dug into this um, on your rewatch and all your all your tape studies. So I would love for you to agree with me, disagree with me, or offer some of the ways they excelled most, and maybe some ways they need to get better as a group. But would you agree with the overall assessment? They passed their test with flying colors because that's how it felt to me. They executed this game plan very well. Is I think the best way that I can say it. It was a game plan designed to cater to their strengths, which is their athleticism, their ability to move and just run running the rock, right? Um, which is a little bit more comfortable for offensive linemen. They get to move forward. They don't have to worry about losing backwards. So I think all of those were really big highlights. The entire offensive line graded out plus in the running game um, per pro football focus, just me watching it. Almost every play, they were, they were dictating what has to happen in the run game, which is phenomenal. Um, in pass protection, there, you know, it wasn't perfect. If you, again, if you, if you're a pro football focused person, and I put some stock in their their grading and things like that, nobody really had a good game outside of Tristan, right? Um, there were bad reps for all of them. There were good reps for all of them. Um, I think it was enough for them to execute. They need to improve in pass protection. Uh, thanks, um, <laughs> but they. Yeah, I would say they passed the first test because they gave Brady enough protection to to hit on some big throws and to move the ball, and they absolutely dominated in the run game. That was the test that needed to happen here in Dallas. They're going to face a much bigger test coming up in week two against New Orleans. New Orleans has a much better defensive line you know, across the line uh, than Dallas does. Dallas has one of the, I would say, squishier interiors. Uh, which is great for a first, you know, first trial for Hainsey and first trial for Gedeke. Um, But the Saints have David Onyemata, and he's a dude, <laughs> and he's going to yeah. give them some fit. Yeah. And then you also have, you know, Dennis Allen is probably, for as much credit as he gets, still underrated as a defensive coordinator um, and a defensive play caller. So they're going to be tested, I think you're going to see a lot more. You were going to know a lot more about this offensive line come this upcoming Monday. Well, hopefully for the saints, Dennis Allen doesn't have a little bit too much on his plate. Cause he may be underrated as a defensive play caller, but we don't know what he is as a head coach now, do we? Well, he yeah. did coach the Raiders though, right? A few years or years back was not very, not very good. Not very successful. Yeah. Well, then there we go. That would all, all I'm saying is um, he's going to have a lot on his plate and they did not look too great against the Atlanta Falcons. But anyway, no. that's something that's something. We'll, yeah. Sorry. I, I, just, I think I, I, I sorry, but I'm just Josh's point just generally to the defense. New Orleans just being more competent and yeah. like across the board and with a, you know, a better oh. head man and all that. I, I think that totally makes sense. But sorry. Absolutely. It makes sense. They have a yeah. they have a really good defense. Uh, yeah, Josh, I wasn't do. trying to contradict your statement. at all. No, I, I was just. I was latching onto the end of it there. Um, but yeah. I was yeah. going to say the, the flying colors, pa the pass with flying colors for the O-line. I, I didn't get that. I didn't have the warm and fuzzy feeling from that O-line, <laughs> especially in pass protection. I, I, I just imagine if, if you guys were down 19-3 and you were relying on Brady dropping back every play, I think that's going to be much – that's the test I want to see for this O-line is basically sure. like yeah, if you have multiple like pass – protection downs and everybody knows their past protection downs mm. can you keep brady clean yeah, color. definitely a question mark i think the biggest issue that i saw in pass pro they they've got to work out communication on passing yeah. stunts mm. that that was something that was big and then again when when everyone's keying in on the guy it creates some issues there was a rep where parsons was lined up in as a mic and everybody was afraid he was going to blitz. And so you see Hainsey and, and Shaq both key in on him and he just yeah. stood there. And then each of them had a dude run right by them. Like there who should have been their assignment, but they were both so worried about Micah coming in 
that they just completely missed and Brady got pressured like that. So it yeah. was, it was, they're going to have to work on some of that stuff, the communication protection calls. There's still some, some kinks that they need but to work on. Th- these seasons are, are a slow build, right? Like yeah. it's weird because there's, there's the immediacy of every game means so much because you only play 17, but when there are question marks like this, and I think it also, it helps the fact that they are a good team. I think basically they don't have that low of a floor. There's there's going to be a build to see what they can get out of Julio, as we already discussed. A build to see um, just the the cohesion between Brady and all of these receivers, and the offensive line especially. So, I mean, I get what Bo's saying for sure about, hey, if, if we're down and they know we're throwing, are we going to be able to keep Brady's head on his shoulders? But... From a first game perspective, I think all in all, take it. And then yeah. I'm just looking at the schedule. I'm thinking, wow, they're starting at Dallas and at New Orleans. Like not many favors for uh for, for Tampa Bay, like to, to actually just get into the season here, right? So yeah, then you've got Green well, Bay and Kansas City. So exactly. you gotta learn real quick. Yeah, and the Kansas City defense looks improved. And yeah, yeah, it's just um I mean Good first step, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes with New Orleans. Holy shit! Yeah, and I think Bo, you're probably right. Like with flying colors, is maybe a little bit aggressive, a little too uh, snap reaction from from a dominating victory overall. But I think with all of the chatter and like like there has not been a lot of respect been put on the Bucks. All people no. are talking about in the national media is the offensive line and how they're completely an issue now and all this and that. So I just thought those guys did it did a good enough job for the them to prove they're going to be able they're going to be okay potentially because like yeah. scott said they are going to get better this is not only Absolutely. their first game of the year it's it's hainsey and gadecki's first game of their damn career yeah. and they're yeah. doing it in prime time yeah i think the other it's thing so is true. when you look at the you know the presumed contenders coming into the year everyone was concerned about tampa bay's interior and they weren't hardly the worst looking interior they they you know they looked okay yeah. they looked young but I'll take that performance over you know the Thursday night game for the Rams. Oh yeah, I'll take oh. that performance over the Bengals supposedly extremely improved oh offensive yeah. line getting wrecked by T.J. Watt and the Steelers. Yeah. So I, you know, it wasn't perfect. Absolutely, and Bo, I 100% agree with you. Nobody should say flying colors, and that's why I like kind of hedged my bets, if you will, or, or really yeah. chose my, my my words wisely. They executed this game plan well. Yeah. And and honestly, to that point, like this game plan can work with that defense. And I sure I, I bet we're about to get to the defense right now. But like mm-hmm. with that defense, you might not ever be down 19. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you can just run the ball and win games that way. There, just keep, there like, are going to be games where you can't like Kansas City. They're going to have to toss the ball around. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Fair. But you can definitely do it a lot more than you did last year. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. think that that's an important wrinkle. And it's something that defensive coordinators are going to have to plan more for. You saw more wide zone. You saw more inside zone. They weren't just running yeah. duo. Yeah. Um, they were throwing wrinkles. They were getting guys moving, the end arounds, the stuff like that. Leftwich is evolving, and that's going to, combined with Brady's just amazing, he still can navigate a pocket like it nobody is. else. The Those things are going to mean that the offensive line doesn't have to be as talented as it was last year for them to get where they want to go. And, and and just just to piggyback one more thing, if Fournette is going to run like every carry is his last like that, <laughs> then that helps too, right? Because he's – like the difference between the difference between an unmotivated and a motivated – it's so obvious. You can see it early in the game too as soon as he touches the ball, right? But he, he just he just looks so good. He, he's helping the line by hitting holes faster. He can truck people if he needs to. Obviously, that it's all it's all work, like it's all working that running game and, and having a guy that can actually do that. So I, I, great to see. You can see it like in his post game interviews and stuff. He's just matured as a person, yeah. as a human, and and I think that that is elevating his game. He he mm. really understands what what he wants out of his career and probably out of life. And yeah. you can just hear it in the way he speaks and the way he carries himself. It's so interesting that you brought up Fournette because the last time I was on with you guys, I'm pretty sure we were talking about uh, he showed up to camp out of shape. Oh, and yeah. Boy, did he look in shape this time. You know, Josh, we, we like to talk about things that we've gotten right. 
All right. You know what I mean? We don't have to focus on the mistakes. Quite frankly, I don't even know if that episode was published. All right. So <laughs> let, let's just blast past it. We've been on Lenny since July. Uh, we didn't call him leftovers Lenny or anything like that in the group chat. So just let's just we're on and he looks great. All right. Well, we, we can... that, I think it should be look look at me, Lenny. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah. So here's the one thing, though, like I got to say. So, yes, that's true. We were discussing his weight for sure, but we weren't saying he was going to suck or anything because to your point, Leonard Fournette running hungry. I swear to God, that's been the guy as long as he's healthy in the lineup. I think he's been running that way since that Super Bowl run, like since that postseason when he really took the reins. And I think people keep waiting for him to slip slip up and revert back to more of like that. um, Not certainly not a bust, but you know he was at what top four pick. He's fourth overall, or I believe so. Yeah, you don't normally get cut before your rookie before your fourth year if you're. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I, but I think if anything, the best sign too is that he's running so hungry, like you're talking about coming off a new deal too, right? Like he's here for the right reason. That 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 ultimately confirms what you both said. Lenny running hungry. What Josh said about the level of maturity. I think he's an important part of this game and the way he's spoken about. Tom Brady and Tom Brady's influence on him was really nice to to hear. And I, I think it speaks to Josh's point there. And just and sorry, just quick point. I love when 21-year-olds get killed in the because they're not mature adults yet. Or you know what I mean? Oh, cool. They just got $12 million as a signing bonus. They're they're kind of a dick. Oh, no. Sh- yeah? Really? Shocker. I can only imagine what I would have been like. Like, like maybe let's give them four years. It's I don't know. I guess we see it more in the NBA. Because they're like literally eighteen or nineteen. Um, not that twenty-one is so much more advanced uh, when it comes to maturity, but still, like, can we just can we give that a little time to breathe? Sorry. Absolutely. Are you saying we shouldn't be critical of Micah Parsons' comments on Twitter r- running his mouth on Lenny? Because that's a very- <laughs> I'm going to bring this right back again. I'm not going to talk about being wrong. I'm not going to bring that back up. And no, we're not going to talk about that either. So let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll quickly segue away from that. Great, great uh, point on here from Dog's Best Friend on YouTube. Otten and Cobot are good blockers to... I've never rate. heard Cobot before. I like hey. it. Right out of the gate. Talking Co'Keefe, the two rookie tight ends. Um, weren't, weren't involved in the passing game. But, I mean, I think everyone noticed how... how and, Josh, I want you to speak more to this because we were talking offline about the creativity of using these tight ends in blocking situations, especially after um donovan smith went down you know that was but but it but it was part of the game plan as well so some of left if you could speak to left which left which's creativity and how those two tight ends fared from a blocking perspective yeah, both had <clears throat> some amazing blocks throughout the entire night um as far as left which is creativity i mean you, you saw them get out there in like 13 personnel and, and so for, for those who don't know what it is that's one running back and three tight ends and that is not something you really saw last year and last year's tight end group was a talented group, right? You said you had Gronk, you had Brait, and you had OJ Howard of yeah. two touchdowns with Houston last week. And but you didn't see them running 13 personnel a whole lot, uh, unless it was maybe down by the goal line. And Leftwich broke that out, you know, midfield, you know. Yeah. Um, but you have three very different tight ends, or I should say two very different tight ends this year than you did last year right so gronk is a great pass protector but as a run blocker i think he was very good but not like this elite level run blocker like he was a pass blocker coquifed is he's that guy he is he wants to mow dudes over (laughs) um and, and i think um they asked him Earlier today, uh, I think he had a media availability. And like, do you prefer being as a fullback? Because they lined him up as a fullback a good bit. They lined him up as a tight end. He goes, I don't care. Put me wherever. I'm just going to do my job. And and you love that kind of attitude. So between him and Otten, I had an inkling that they were going to have some impact in the game plan about 90 minutes before the game. And that was when the inactives list came out. And it was a pretty big shock for most Kyle Rudolph was inactive and you know, he, that signing was pretty hyped up when it happened right before training camp. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people were like, you know, Rudolph, maybe tight end one tight end two with Brait. dude didn't dress. And that's just because I think Otten, I personally, I think Otten and Keefe are just better blockers. They're more athletic. I, I not a huge fan of the Rudolph signing. Like, I just don't think he, he's got what they need when you look at that room. Um, and 
those two came out and they blocked their asses off. And, and so one of the sets that, that Colin, you were kind of alluding to there is, is they came out and they ran like a wing set, right? So you just have your five offensive linemen and they throw three tight ends just right off the edge, right? You've got this giant wall in front of Leonard Fournette and that wall pushed dudes back and created lanes for him and gave him all, all sorts of room to run. Um, there was uh, there was one where he was following Keeft. I think they broke off like an 11 yard run, 12 yard run. And they just, he, he literally Keeft just took Vander Esch for a ride and, uh, and gave Lenny all the room in the world. So it was really cool to see, you know, it, you love it when rookies can make an impact and those two really have. And uh, when you look at who we thought were going to be the impactful rookies, Nobody really had Coquifed on their bingo card, but he's doing his job really well. Yeah, that's true. But he's also become a fan favorite real fast, even th- even before the first game. I think just from you know people like us highlighting his blocks and and yeah. showing those clips and stuff like that. And I think it's almost um, created a scenario where Kate Otten's blocking ability got o- has gotten overlooked. Everyone's so hyped about about Keith because he kills it as a blocker. He smashes dudes. He wakes up and eats violence for breakfast. Like that's what he wants to do. Whereas Kate Otten's a little more like he's drafted, you know, even though where he was picked, he was top of the fourth, fourth round. He's that's considered sliding. He's a talented tight end prospect all around, you know, a pass catcher as well, but he's blocking, he's blocking his ass off. So, you know, that's pretty sweet to see too, just from both of them. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, I think that's, you know, half the show spent talking offense in a game where um, no matter what you think, and this is a big part of the debate, no matter what you think of the Dallas Cowboys offense and how inept they might be, regardless, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense came out and absolutely dominated this game. Um, And I think, you know, most of the conversation through the national media, football media landscape is about, like I just said, the Cowboys shitting the bed but i think the bucks deserve credit too and it's about finding a balance between those two things because i'm more focused on the bucks when i'm watching their defense and i gotta say i was impressed i was impressed it was just a, it was just like a slow choke choke hold the whole game and let's not forget that these two teams played last year and you know dallas moved the ball quite well and i know there's no amari cooper anymore um on that cowboys offense which is a a big a big playability guy not on the field but they it was quite clear quite early that Dallas wasn't going to score enough to win the game Tampa only scored 19 if for whatever reason Dallas had scored at some point I think that like the foot would have been on the gas for Tampa they would have been able to uh uh to extend the lead it the game was over early and so much of that was because of Tampa's defense they just were not going to get scored on it it was so good yeah it, it was interesting for me like you look at the the conversations around the Bucks defense coming into the season. This pass rush is going to eat, and we hope that the secondary is as good as they potentially could be. Yes. The narrative kind of got flipped when the game was over. Yeah. That Bucks secondary, and there were some coverage sacks, right? Where, where just Dak had nowhere to go with the ball because they clamped down. Carlton yeah. Davis had a hell of a game. Um, Antoine Winfield proved he is for real in the slot. Um, what a baller. What a baller. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, everybody, everybody talks about the pick. My favorite play it was just, it shows his, um, his intellect, right? Just his game IQ. There was a bubble screen to CD lamb with Dalton Schultz lined up in the slot and CD just offset of him. And Winfield, was was in press he picks it up like before the ball's even snapped so by the time that dax throwing it to to cd winfield is already on dallas's side of the line of scrimmage forcing schultz to make an early block and he literally positions schultz right into lamb as at the catch point and breaks up the pass yeah it was incredible and um jc allen actually got to interview uh winfield they're doing a um, a tuesday uh, every That's tuesday back. kind of yeah, touch yeah, touch Tuesday. Tuesdays, yeah, on the the Peter Report YouTube channel, and he asked him about that, and and Winfield was like, "Yeah, no, we, we knew that was coming. Like, I knew as soon as they lined up that that's what they were going with a bubble screen. So it shows you the the game planning of the entire team. It shows you his tape study yeah. and then his ability to act to instinctually just pull off something like that. That was my favorite play 
from, yeah. from Winfield. The pick was amazing, but that pick would have happened whether Winfield was there or not because Carlton Davis was ready to pick it off as well. Right. Just Dak made a bad, bad uh, choice on cover two there. And uh, it was, they had a phenomenal day. That secondary was clamps. And then that allowed the pass rush to do a little bit more. Pass rush was a little lackluster. Shaq was amazing. Shaq was um, awesome. But imagine if the secondary can keep that up and the pass rush becomes what everyone knows it can be. I think there's going to be games where it appears one one of those two levels is is impacting the opposing teams passing more than the other. You know what I mean? Like, and th- yeah. those games where they both click is where it's really going to be a bloodbath. Um, yeah. In, in, in that's what Good I hope. Scoring. Anyway. Yeah. I just want scoring. Yeah, exactly. I want to comment about what you mentioned the touch touchback Tuesday. The, so you guys got Winfield coming on with JC every week, which is fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> But also, Winfield was fucking awesome. Like he was, was, yeah. He, he was so personable, so engaging. Um, I really like to see him in that kind of laid back interview thing. So props to JC Allen and you guys at Pewterport. But but big shout outs to Antoine Winfield for giving some time to the people like that because I it made me like him even more. And I've heard him talk many times, but it's different. It's not a post game scrum or something, you know. Yeah, it, it's really cool because he can give some short answers, and to see the the comfortability he has with JC and the ability for JC to really put him at ease and allow him to let his personality shine and let the fans see just kind of who he is beyond just what he does on the field. I think it's going to be a a real treat and anybody who can, you know, definitely watch it throughout the year. I think it's going to be a really great way to kind of connect with a Tampa Bay buck in a way that you normally don't get to as a fan. Pretty good get. Pretty good, no. pretty good get. Third year, <laughs> Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, about to be all pro. I mean, Colin at loves his loves his kids as, as much as anyone as I've ever seen. But the <laughs> way he talks about the Bucks secondary, you know, that twinkle <laughs> in his eye, the just the sheer pride of this group whenever they play. Well, I mean, we, I, I get it, I get that's it. A- they almost feel like that's like you. They're under your wing, and they don't even know it yet. But like you. You're almost like a part of this, I feel like. It, well, I, just because I've watched them so closely, I've watched all these, every snap, all these guys have played, and they were all drafted within the same two years. Um, let me say this. I certainly love the look of the secondary. No, I'm not trying to stomp on SMB because I like I SMB. You knew it was coming. But I'm Team Dean all the way. And Jamel Dean, was in, was in a, to see him on the field, like, you know, what did he play? Like 62 snaps every snap in the game? Like yep. um, him in conjunction with, with – with Carlton, I mean, when those two guys are on and playing well, like Jamel Dean performing well is such an X factor for the secondary. It's crucial. Um, and I think, you know, he came to play. They shut CeeDee Lamb had, what, two catches for 25 yards? I mean. Yeah, did nothing. I think the cool thing that you kind of brought up there is this wasn't Davis on an island with CeeDee. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like yeah. Davis and the Bucks. It was yeah. the entire secondary. CD lined up in the slot. Winfield shut him down. CD lined up left. Dean shut him down. CD lined up right. Carlton shut him down. They just shut him down. And, and that shows the level of trust that Todd Bowles has in his defense and in his secondary to say, I don't care where they put their best receiver. We can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to bring up, I want to bring up an offseason discussion point that we've had. This is particularly targeted towards Bo and Josh. I want your assessments on Devin White, how he performed in this game. I mean, just wondering what you guys saw there. We can bring up the PFF grade, which I have no clue. No clue where they came up with that. They hate Devin White. They hate Devin White. Yeah. I think they're still figuring out how to evaluate linebackers. They've got the best information they have right now. They definitely need to continue to evolve their grading mechanism. Metric. Um, I started my Devin White apology tour right around <laughs> Tennessee uh, when I when I got to go to the the practices with the joint practices with the Titans. Dude looked amazing. I mean, it, yeah. there was they were doing um, two minute drills against Tennessee's ones, and he was running. I think he he, he ran. Uh, he was manned up on a running back coming out of the backfield, and I could hear him. He's just like, "I'll run the route for you," and he did. He oh, did that's it. great. Yeah, and so. Um, between that and and what he put on tape um, Sunday night, he's he's leveling up. He is going to 
if his play continues like it was, he is going to earn the contract that he has vocally said he is after since the day he was drafted. There you go. And, uh, and I will um, write a 2,000-word mea culpa when it happens. Look, it's not like it was unfounded that we are concerned about Devin. Last year was not a good year for Devin at all. And yeah. if he continued on that path, that would have been really tough. But props to you for having the faith in him for sure, Colin. Um, but yeah, he's a different. He was a different guy. Like that was a different guy than I saw last season. A hundred percent. That reminded me much more of the Super Bowl run, Devin White. Well, like, I blowing can... up plays within seconds. Bodan, I can check our group chats and uh, you know cross reference every time Colin bet the over Devin White tackles, and then maybe <laughs> see some negative comments pop up as well. Okay, so it's not like it's. Uh, it's been all rainbows and sunshine over here, but no, just kidding. Like obviously boom's been on him, but yeah, last year wasn't as good. It just wasn't. Let's let we need, they need him to be awesome. They do. And he, and he, what a great start to the season. And he has it. We know he has it in him. He's done it. And yeah, he's, when he's when he's awesome, he's a game wrecker. He's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. The, that that the, speed is unmatched. And the instincts, the instincts yeah. looked visibly different. There was one play that, that I keyed in on. Um, is a cover one look. He would have been responsible for a running back <clears throat> who went to the, the backside of the, the play coming out of the back. And he read the play so quick, he jumped the tight end on, on just a quick little out and, and you know, got the tag. I, I want to say it was a completed play, completed pass, or it might have been broken up, but he was right on it for a very minimal game. There was nothing after the catch. And, and I, I openly like, in our Peter report um, group chat, I openly, cause we were discussing the PFF grade on him and, and we couldn't understand it. I was like, maybe he gets a negative grade on this because he doesn't follow the guy who technically he should have been yeah. on. But with that said, he keyed the play and he made the play. Yeah. So you've got to be able to allow for that. Now, I don't know PFF's grading metrics. Like I'm not pretending like I do. No. I'm conjecturing at maybe that's why he ended up with a negative coverage grade. He wasn't perfect, but he was really flipping good. Like yeah. the formula, the formula has got to be more flexible then, like you're saying. And I like how you think about things like that. Critical thinking, Josh, you're analyzing the formula itself. And I always, <laughs> when I picture well, you, yeah, when I picture you doing that, I picture the uh, Zach Galifianakis thing. Um, I yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, you're oh, actually well. analyzing the formula, whereas Colin are just like, yeah, PFF hates him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's uh, that's yeah. the answer, Josh. That's what it yeah. is. Trevor Sikama had such a great take on that as far as like his PFF grade. He's like, Devin White suffers so the Bucks defense can thrive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trevor's the best. Trevor's I thought it was amazing. Did but didn't the PFF grade also have Mahomes as the ninth best quarterback this week? So, you know, there's some tinkering to be done. I have a slightly different take on that. I went back and okay. forth with Evan Winter of A to Z Sports on that one. Okay. I actually think their quarterback grading is pretty good. The thing with, with Mahomes is there are going to be games where he's graded out. And let's be honest, he was ninth best. It was like a 71.6, which by PFF's grading metrics, that's a slightly above average performance. But I think he's almost a victim of that scheme and that offense because if the dude's wide open you just have to make a simple throw you're not going to get a double plus you're going to get a plus so you're going to grade out more towards the average now there were some clips i didn't get to see the chiefs game but i saw some clips of some throws that made me question it a little bit yeah the two things i would say with their quarterback grading is is number one you have to consider what's being asked of the quarterback and when you have a mind like andy Reid designing plays for you a lot of times you're just gonna have to make an easy throw Mahomes can make the difficult throw but a lot of times he's not gonna have to and then the second thing is I would say look at the aggregate you know at the end of the season those things tend to really you don't really argue with the grades when it's over that kind of sample size on a one game basis sure we can we can make tiffs with it First impressions, Josh, on the combination of Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks, and also that one play by Logan Hall where he shed Zach Martin and made that tackle. Um, that was a flash right there early in yeah. the game. That made like his length 
and athleticism on that play was really looked really special. And you could Absolutely. see why they you could see why they drafted him. But um, yeah, your assessment of that interior defensive line, um, obviously William Golson falls into that as well. And they were getting a bunch of other guys involved too. Yeah, I thought Golson had a rough game. Um, I thought I was a little surprised at at some of the runs that Dallas was able to to get off. I think that may be a little more scheme related. Um, they were running a lot of more under fronts um, where you lose a little bit of gap integrity over uh, some of like the Oki fronts that they they would run last year with Sue. Um, so I think they need to to kind of take a look at that and say, what do we need to do to to um, button that up, you know, and continue to be the dominant run defense that they base everything off of. Um, but I love the tandem, you know, the two of them, they create all sorts of issues up front for offensive lines. I think it's only going to get better. I love the hall rep. Uh, I had John Ledyard like losing his mind because when he sent it to me, I was just like, yeah, that's a nice rep. And he's like, dude, that <laughs> is an amazing rep. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll give it to you. It was, it yeah. was fantastic. The, the amount of athleticism uh, on display there to get him I think you put it perfectly, Colin. The length that he showed on that one really came through. He's going to be special, you know. And, and the fact that he's three, you know, in this um, defensive front uh, in terms of the interior, that just shows you their the talent and the depth. So it's provides a nice different look in terms of his style and and whole makeup compared to those those big heifers up uh, playing the two spots in front of him too, right, Vita and and Hicks. So uh, awesome. I feel like we broke down quite a bit of this game versus Dallas Cowboys. Again, Buccaneers prevail 19-3. They're 1-0. We got a couple minutes left, so I feel guilty advertising this as a somewhat of a Saints preview or a look ahead to New Orleans without at least touching on it a little bit. Um, and I know we, 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 we mentioned it, but uh, if Scott can figure out his microphone situation. I got it. Sorry. I don't know what's okay. going on. No, I'm just um, uh, what are we thinking, boys? What are we going to be looking for? I mean, the Saints struggled. I was watching that game, and uh, things look sloppy. They look like they really missed Teron Armstead early in that game, and their O-line was a bit of a disaster. No disrespect to Grady Jarrett. I know they got some guys over there who can bring the heat, but um, Jameis was under duress. I tweeted out he looked like a chicken with his head cut off, and it was nostalgic for me. Um, <laughs> but Jameis did Jameis things in the second half and led a furious fourth-quarter comeback. They came out with the win. I expect them to come out looking a lot better. Um, Capo's talked about that Saints defense. We all know that they're a problem, um, even, you know, minus Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But what are we going to be looking for there? What do we need from the Bucs to happen? What, what's what's going to be the, the focal point for you as viewers in that matchup? Whoever I would, I, first thing I would point to is just the, the Bucks struggles with New Orleans in general since Brady's gotten there, right? I, it's, I mean, there was a year with Breeze – um, I believe the first year that Brady was there. So, you know, pretty comparable teams, if I remember correctly. But still, they have really struggled with New Orleans uh, in this in this Brady tenure. So um, never an easy place to play. I think how you guys kind of touched on the fact that the pass rush or the secondary could either be elite in a given game and how those are kind of a symbiotic relationship into how they affect each other. You know, they're playing Jameis Winston. I really feel like if one of them is 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 clicking and getting into him or or there's no one for, for him to throw the ball to, I think they can have success defensively against a pretty I would, you know, rate them as a mediocre offense. They had a they had a, like we like you just said, Colin, they had the furious fourth quarter rally, but they needed that to beat Atlanta. So honestly, all things considered, I do feel pretty good about the Bucks in this spot from an actual matchup standpoint. I'm just I, I think there's at least something to the precedent that has been set uh, in this rivalry in the last three years. And before anyone else goes, just uh, talking about that precedent, I'm glad you brought it up. Obviously, you know, the Buccaneers 0-4 in the regular season these last two years. They, of course, won the big playoff game. Yeah. But uh, Tristan oh, Wirfs addressed yeah. that today, saying, I think throughout the whole building, it's kind of our time to give them one, to give it back to them. Coach Bowles said today it's not a rivalry unless there's some give and take. So, uh, the players feel that too, and I like how Worf's worded that. Um, yeah, Josh and Ball it's true. Was, yeah, totally. Bo, you want to go? Yeah, I was. The thing for me, the thing I'll be looking at is that secondary versus this uh, wide receiver room. Um, yeah, Jarvis Landry looked good. Um, can't guard Mike. Seems like he's back in it. Mm. Um, and Chris Olave. I think Chris Olave had three targets, three catches. Like he's a very 
just the efficient guy that we thought he would be coming out of the draft. Um, I did want to just jump on this. I, I was going to read this text at some point or this Twitter at some point. Uh, Carlton Davis. <laughs> he tweets can't guard Mike. He says, I bodied you three games in a row, little dude, and cover one goofball. <laughs> And I'm a dog your ass, a little ass again next year. So you better work on roots. That was January 24th, 2021. Wow. And they haven't seen each other since then. So, so the that, funnier... I'm going to be locked in on that, hey. on that matchup for sure. He Bo, was you got about that. Carlton. Yeah. 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 And he said, he said, I don't really, I don't really like talking shit on social media. And then, and then like those they, tweets are popping they up. They show that <laughs> popping up. Yeah. It was so well, good. And then, and then um, there, he was asked, I think it's Scott Reynolds. I think he's like, do you respect him? You know, do you respect Mike Thomas? And he, he goes, uh, yeah, I respect anybody who puts on the, 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 the pads and everything like that. And then somebody said, well, you know, like, what do you think he does well? Right. Mike Thomas, he set a record for how many catches in a season. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And his only answer was, he's got a pretty big catch radius. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the only thing he gave him. Just giving like, him nothing, eh? Wow. And he's got yeah. this this shit-eating grin on his face. The yeah, that's was, great. It's yeah. amazing. Carlton's awesome. And, uh, there's just going to be fireworks. Like, that's, I think, I think the Saints did not look good last Sunday, but I think there was a probably a little bit of a look-ahead game for them. Um, yeah. Not really respecting the Falcons. Um, and... Yeah, they got punched in the mouth at the start of that game, but they they came back and won it. And it's gonna we're gonna look back on it as one and zero for them. And this is this is their traditionally is their Super Bowl regular season well, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady is the especially Super Bowl. So yeah, Capo, what do you think, man? What are you gonna, what are you gonna have your eyes on? What's gonna be the keys to this game? So um, you had mentioned that the Saints defense lost C.J. Gardner and Johnson. They traded them away on the eve of the regular season to the, to the Eagles. Um, he's, he's a good slot corner, um, but him and Malcolm Jenkins, who retired over the offseason, allowed Dennis Allen to do a lot of things from a run defense standpoint that most defenses can't. He could run light boxes because the two of them were so fantastic as run defenders. And they're not, re- they're not able to replace that. You know, Justin Evans, I'm so happy to see him back in the league and, and doing well after – um, some injury issues. Um, I'll always love Justin Evans. Sorry to cut you off, but like, no, 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 that's cool. Uh, and then coming out of AM. And then the um, Tyrion Matthew, Matthew, they're good players, but they're not the run defenders that, you know, CJ Gardner Johnson and, and Malcolm Jenkins are. So you fi- figure that versus what the Bucks were able to do week one, there's an opportunity to keep that running game rolling. And to force Dennis Allen out of some of the things that he enjoys doing. The other thing is, I think Paulson Adebo ended up on the Saints injury report today. Um, that's going to be a huge hit if he can't go uh, for their secondary. So I think there are some opportunities for the Bucks offense to assert themselves very similarly to Dallas uh, and, and kind of control the game that way. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. That, that makes a ton of sense. I, I I really think it's going to go pretty similarly to this. Um, to this Dallas game, I, I maybe I'm too confident, maybe I'm too in on on Tampa, but I I just I love their squad versus this New Orleans team. I I think they're going to win the game relatively handily. I do. Yeah, I think it's two good defenses, and I think it's the Bucks with a, a better offense. Yeah, I think um, so. Like I kind of think that's where where I lean towards, but uh, you never know, man. Shit goes crazy oh, when these two of teams course. meet. Of yeah, so. But it will be fun, and everyone in Tampa will certainly be geared up for this one. And something's going to happen, man. Lattimore and Mike Evans and Jameis on the field at the same time. Carlton, Slant Boy, all those guys. Something's going to happen. So um, with with that, we're going to wrap up this episode now. So I do want to just thank everyone uh, who, who was watching live and those of you who are catching us later. Please make sure, again, to like and comment on the videos. Very helpful. We're available. Um, wherever you get your po- preferred podcast streaming services. Super privileged to be joined by Josh Capo of Pewter Report. If you haven't, make sure you check out his work. He's killing it. Um, really cool data-driven observations that I think are are essential to any fan base. So we're lucky to have Capo doing his thing. Um, as always, you can check out my work at BucksGameDay.com. And make sure you follow us all on Twitter. Our handles are up here on YouTube. So if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, go over to YouTube, subscribe, and, and you can 
follow us on Twitter that way. Uh, Josh, what's your Twitter, by the way? Because yours isn't up. Where can people uh, follow you? So at uh, Josh underscore Capo. Um, so spelled Q-U-E-I-P-O. Beautiful. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, we will be back on the airwaves next week at some point, and we'll be breaking down this game and looking ahead. So uh, thanks so much. Enjoy your evening, and have a good one. Go Bucks.